Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Trouble for schools as they reopen, especially in Indiana. Students at Elwood Junior Senior High School now have to go remote after staff members tested positive for COVID-19. The Des Moines Public School Superintendent planning to ask for a delay to the start of school and have online classes for high schoolers. The debate over when schools should reopen is happening nationwide and now just weeks away from the traditional start of classes, many teachers are weighing in. The new school year is starting up across the United States, and it's all we've been talking about in our house. Truth is, a lot of big questions remain. Are kids going to go back to in-person learning? And what will school even look like? I've talked a lot about the risks parents need to weigh about their children returning to school, but just as important are the decisions teachers have to make. Nearly a third of teachers are 50 or older, which means they could experience more serious illness if they're infected with the virus. And a lot of the features that would make returning to the classroom safer still have yet to be worked out. How do you ensure proper ventilation, for example, in a windowless classroom? Can you get young children to keep their masks on? And how do you limit class sizes to make social distancing possible? These are just a few of the questions that school districts are scrambling to figure out right now. And that's leaving many teachers in a state of anxiety. When it comes down to it, for many teachers, the decision of whether or not to return to the classroom will be made for them by their school district or state. So today, we're gonna talk to two high school teachers. They're from opposite ends of the country, and they've got different fears, but they both have to make one big personal decision. If their school wants them to return to in-person teaching, what will they do? I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. I teach a particularly hands-on class. It's very busy, it's very chaotic, and there's a lot of intermingling, and that's by design, so that kids get a really robust experience. Rebecca Martinson has been a public school teacher in Mount Vernon, Washington, since 2011. She used to work as a nurse, and she now teaches applied medical science to high schoolers. So because I teach a medical class, We discuss medical news every day. What was the biggest story in March? Well, this pandemic that arrived here in Washington first. The first case of China's new and deadly coronavirus has been reported here in the U.S. He's currently quarantined at a hospital just north of Seattle. And so we covered it a lot. We talked about it and said, hey, you know, watch this news because I think this could be serious. In fact, one of the first known super spreader events in the United States happened just a few miles from where Rebecca teaches. A Washington choir practice turns deadly. Of the 61 people who were there, 53 either had a confirmed or probable case of coronavirus. Rebecca School, like just about every other school in the country, shut down for in-person teaching back in March. So I went to work trying to figure out some online lectures and some distant activities that could make up for that 
in-person instruction. But quite a few of my students live in multi-generational homes. So I didn't see as many of my students as I wanted to. A lot of my students took those frontline worker, grocery store, restaurant takeout, those kind of jobs to help fill in the gap for their parents not working or not being safe to work. For the students she did see, Rebecca used every available resource. She recorded lectures with her GoPro camera, and she devised activities they could do at home. She felt like she did everything she could to connect with her students and make sure they got through most of the material. But by the end of the year, she still had mixed feelings. I didn't go sit at six graduations like I usually do. I didn't hand out awards like I usually do. I didn't give kids a hug and send them off to college or their career. And it was sad. It was also a relief to be out of this constant crisis management mode, making up things on the fly without a good sense of what we were doing next. As the summer went on and the usual start of the next school year approached, Rebecca felt worried. Case counts were fluctuating in her community, and she was concerned about the safety of her students. With no clear directives yet from the school, Rebecca decided she would make her own decision. If she was asked to go back to the classroom, she would walk away entirely. If one of my students picked up a virus in my class and took it home and killed a loved one with it, I'm not sure how I go back to school and look at that child again. That goes against everything I am as a nurse and everything I am as a teacher and everything I am as a mom. Rebecca decided to make her decision public. She wrote an opinion piece explaining her reasons for refusing to go back to in-person teaching, and she submitted it to the New York Times. This is very uncomfortable for me. I like talking to teenagers. That's my group. I want to stand in front of a classroom and I want to do dumb stunts to show them how the body works. I don't like this. I'll be the first one back when it's safe. Not long after her piece came out, her school district announced their plan. They would remain fully online for nearly all students at the start of the new school year. I plan to be in front of a camera on September 2nd, delivering high-quality instruction to students. If I need to drop off packets at the end of their driveway, I'll be doing that too. Rebecca feels grateful her school district made what she considers to be the right decision. But she worries that in other school districts, decisions to return to school are being driven by confusion about what in-person teaching will really be like. I think that when people say they want to go back to in-person, what they really mean is they want to go back to normalcy. That doesn't exist right now. A normal school experience does not exist. Come visit a school, not now, in a few years, and see what the magic of teaching is and see how that, that work, that engagement is hand-to-hand and face-to-face and knee-to-knee and how it, in lower grades, it happens huddled around a table full of sand. And in my class, it happens huddled around feeling someone's pulse that feels different. What we love about in-person teaching is not going to happen 
during COVID-19. Rebecca is now able to at least settle into preparing for her online classes. On the other side of the country, though, is Anna Deckert. It, it just seems that there's no one who knows what they should do. No one knows what they're doing. And every time we think we know, we make plans, something changes. We're literally figuring this out as we go, and things are changing every two or three days. Anna is a Spanish teacher in a large public high school in the Florida Panhandle. After going on spring break in March, the school also finished the rest of the year entirely online. Anna says it was a scramble to figure out how to make it all work. Sending videos back and forth isn't the ideal way to teach a foreign language. Communication was lost. We weren't all sitting together talking. So we just lost that community feel that you have in a classroom and that idea that everyone is working toward the same goal and the little jokes that you have and the laughs. It was just, you know, here's your lesson. You do it and you turn it back into me. Still, with cases rising in Florida, Anna became convinced that remote learning was the safest way to go. Now, her husband is also a teacher at a different school in the same district. They hoped that both of them would be able to teach online when school started up again. But on July 6th, the state issued an emergency order saying that all bricks-and-mortar schools would be required to open in August, five days a week. To me, I felt like it was a blow. It was... It was hard because we've, we've practiced everything that we're supposed to do from the very start. We've done everything that we can control. And I don't feel safe going back to school, but now I'm going to be going back to school. On July 20th, Florida's largest teachers union filed a lawsuit seeking to overturn the emergency order. In response, the governor said parents should get to choose between sending their children back for in-person instruction or receiving that instruction online. But as a teacher, Anna is set to be back in the classroom on August 31st, regardless. She expects that most of her students will be there with her in person, while some will take the classes online. This leaves Anna worried about how to be consistent and fair to both sets of students. Am I going to be able to answer the question of the person who's raising their hand on Zoom while this other person who's actually in class asks me a question, if you take a test in my classroom, I can see what you're doing. You know, if you take a test at home, I can't. And so if my job is to do the exact same thing for the person in my classroom and the person at home, I want to make sure that it is fair for both. And then, of course, there are the health concerns. Anna is just not convinced that the physical classroom will be safe for the teachers and students who are there. We have buildings that are upwards of 50 years old. We have, regularly, we have bathrooms that don't work. I have an air conditioning unit in my classroom that never shuts off. It's constantly going. I mean, I, I don't know. Is it sucking things in and blowing them out into the air? I don't know what's going on. I have two windows in my room, but they don't open. I, it, it, at this point... With cases growing in Florida, it doesn't feel safe to me to be in a classroom that is not big with, you know, upwards of 20 teenagers. At the forefront of Anna's concerns is her family. She has 22-month-old twins, and her parents, who are both around 70 years old, help take care of the children. My biggest fear is bringing the disease home to my family. We will do 
everything that we can. We'll take a shower before we hug our children. We'll follow all the rules. But am I going to make a mistake? Am I not going to sanitize the one desk that needs to be sanitized? I'm just worried that I will bring it home to someone that I love. And having fear looming over her all day, Anna worries it's just going to have an effect on her teaching. What do you do as a teacher? You walk around. You check their work. You lean down next to them. You tell them how to fix that problem. You learn things about your students. The, the quiet kid in the back who's so good at your subject that those little chats that you have with them bring them out and they become amazing. Am I going to do that? Am I going to walk through the classroom and put myself at risk in order to have those moments? I don't know. I mean, I I send work home with them. Do I want to send work home and then have it come back from all of those homes? What do I do with it? Do I clean it off? Do I? I mean, I'm thinking about all of these different things. I mean, being afraid to do your job means you're not going to do the job that you can. Despite all of this, Anna doesn't view walking away from her class as an option. I just, I, I don't know. I guess it's, I just feel like I, I'm not a quitter. I don't know. But I just, I know those faces that I'm going to be seeing. And I, I want what's best for them. And I guess I, I feel like that's me being there and being their teacher. Anna and Rebecca are just two of the millions of teachers in America facing uncertainty and some really tough decisions this school year. Their stories show that there will be challenges regardless of the route schools will take, whether it's reopening schools, pursuing a hybrid model, or an all online system. Whatever schools decide, I hope they listen to scientists and also to the teachers in their district, listen to what they have to say. After all, it's teachers who will be on the front lines of educating our children. If you have questions, please record them as a voice memo and email them to asksanjay at cnn.com. We might even include them on the next podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.